Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message.
do you really need a new car though? If it's breaking down and it needs it, maybe, yeah, but, but do we really need that new car? You, you see someone, they got new floors in their house. Again, nothing wrong with that. Just, man, we've been talking about getting new floors for a long time. You know? We can become envious if we're not careful. You might see someone, they're having a get-together, they're posting the picture of everybody hanging out, having fun, right? And it's like, wait a minute, I know, I know like three couples in this picture. Why wasn't I invited, right? Which is okay, it's okay. I'm not going to get invited. I, I'm, I'm good sometimes if you don't invite me. I'm just being honest, right? <laughs> see someone's like, ooh, hashtag date night with my boo or whatever. Like, you're on a date with your spouse. Like, hey, we haven't been on a date in a while. Man, what are we doing? We're failing. We're failing in marriage. No, you're not. You just haven't had a chance to go out, right? Man, come on, moms. You, you've seen those, those moms who post those dinners, right? They've been on Pinterest and those, those perfect Pinterest moms and they post their meal that they, they've made. And that mom just seems like they're killing it, but your family thinks like you're trying to kill them, you know? Because like, it's, it's just not working, right? Or dads, you might see that dad. He's out there on the ball field every Saturday. And there he's coaching, coaching the team, right? And then later that day, they're going fishing, and the kids are all happy, and everything's going. And, and you're like, man, this, this guy's super dad. And it makes me feel like a super dud. And, and I just, I don't know, I don't know if I'm really measuring up. And how many times do we do that? We feel like we're not measuring up to what people have or what they're doing, right? There's sometimes when we look around and we see what other people have, we see what they're doing, and maybe we get to a place where we're just dissatisfied in life. And just not feeling it, right? We started this series last week called Not Feeling It because there is, there's some times in our life, let's be honest, we just, we're going through it and, and, and we just, just feel like, I'm just not feeling it right now. I'm not, I'm not feeling life. I'm not feeling purpose. I'm not, I, I, and on, I like, don't focus on that either. Sometimes it's just not feeling God, right? For whatever reason. So let's deal with discontentment today. Let's learn how to deal with that. Because there are some times we feel that. And we, we feel like we're just, we're not happy. We, we feel like other people have things better off than we do. Or, or maybe we're not as far as we think we should be. Let's deal with discontentment today. And here's the thing I want you to get. Write this down. Take a screenshot of the, the screen when it comes up. I don't care what you got to do. But, but, but get this today. You will always battle discontentment until you let Jesus be your source. Until you let Jesus be your source. Your neighbors are not your source. Your neighbors may have all the great things and all the toys and all that kind of stuff. But guess what? They got all the bills that go along with those toys as well. And we think we're, 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 we don't have it. But guess what? Like, you know, you've got everything you need if you've got Jesus. Right? So let's quit comparing. Let's quit looking to what other people have or whatever. They're living their life. You need to live yours. And be satisfied with who God has called you. Be, be satisfied of where He has you at in this season of life. Even though it might be rough, be satisfied in Him, who He says that you are, and what He has for your life. Amen. Can we do that? Last week we looked at Elijah. We looked at him and how he was struggling at this one point in his life. We, we found him depressed and done and just not feeling it. And we learned that God provides exactly what we need. When we need it. Today I want to look at the Apostle Paul. I want to look at him for just a moment. In, in Philippians, uh, you can go ahead and turn there to chapter 4. Uh, we're going to look at a couple different uh, places. But Philippians chapter 4 uh, in verse 10 is going to be our key text today. Verses 10 through 13. 
or we're going to look at a, a couple spots in Philippians. So while you're turning there, let me kind of set the context for this because this is very important that we understand the perspective of Paul. Paul is writing this particular letter to the church of Philippi because he's been arrested and he's in prison now. So he's writing this, this letter, he's doing this thing, he's writing this letter to encourage the people because they have sent someone who were concerned for him, they had raised up a collection and some money and some things, and, and now they have sent someone to bless Paul while he's in prison. So Paul's writing to thank them, so he's being thankful while in prison, alright, you get that? And now he's writing some encouraging words all throughout this letter to kind of build them up and say, listen, God's got this. Guess what, guys? I appreciate you looking out for me. Not, not many other people have, but God's got this. I'm good. I'm good. And, and he's trying to encourage them because here's the deal. In Philippi, it's a, a Roman colony, and, and there's a lot of Roman nationalism. And here, the reason Paul is in prison is because he's preaching some other king. He's preaching Jesus, some other king, and, and that, that caused some issues. That's a big problem for them. Right? And not only for Paul, but now for this uh, early church there in Philippi. So he's like, listen, no matter what, no matter what, we can be content, we can be good, we can be happy in Jesus. Whether that's in suffering uh, or not, whether it's in good times or bad, guess what? I'm, I'm good. And he says, I'm content. So I'm content. So, so that kind of, that's important that we hear that and that, that we understand where Paul is coming from. He's being so encouraging and so uplifting to these people while he's in prison. Like, like this wasn't like prison today. They didn't have cable. They didn't, I'm sure they didn't have yard time. They're not working out. They're not doing things. You know what I mean? Like, this is probably pretty rough stuff that he's dealing with. So, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Here he is again. He's in prison. And he rejoices greatly. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had an opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. He didn't consider himself to be in need. But he's in prison, right? I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. And in, 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 in any and every situation, I'll get it right. Whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. I thank you that you, you are our source. You're the source of life. In you we live and move and have our being. In you we have purpose. In you, God, we can find hope and joy and love. God, in you we can be satisfied. The things of this world, they don't last, they don't fade, they will not satisfy us. This world has nothing for us. But God, you have everything for us. May we learn to turn to you. God, may we learn to put our trust in you. God, may we learn to hope in you and you alone today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul's writing from prison. He's locked up. Many of us, we would struggle with that. I mean, it's not in for some heinous crime. Like he's in because he was preaching Jesus. Right? So many of us, we would have a problem with all of that. Right? But Paul's like, 
I'm good. I'm not going to let that stop me. This isn't the only letter he writes. He writes other prison epistles and, and, and encourages other churches. I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm still got a purpose. I'm still got a job to do. God's still good. He's still on the throne. And so I'm going to, I'm going to work with what I got, right? He doesn't even know if he's going to be released or if they're going to execute him. Because those are both possibilities. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't know, right? Yet he says these words, I'm content. I'm good. I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to not have a lot. I'm good either way. I'm good. And in the first chapter of Philippians, he opens up and he says this, that life is Christ and to die is gain. He's like, he says, I'm good. If I live, I've still got a mission. I've still got a purpose. God's still got work for me to do. Even if I'm stuck in this prison, I'm still going to write. I'm still going to encourage people. I'm still going to do this work. But guess what? If I die, I get to go be with Jesus. He's I'm good either way. And he found content in it. That's where he was at rest. That's where his soul had peace. It wasn't about what happened to him in the moment. It was just simply found in the goodness of God. And that's where we need to find ourselves today. If we're struggling with being discontent, if we're looking at the cards that maybe life has dealt us, and we're like, I don't know. To, listen, I, you, you can do a couple things if you ever played cards or poker or anything like that. Like, you can fold and just give up, or you can play the hand that you've been given. You can look at the dealer and say, hey, dealer, like, here, give me a couple more cards, right? You might be suffering with some things today. You might be feeling like you're not measuring up. You might be feeling a lot of different things. And maybe you're not, you're not just not feeling life or God or anything. Come on, let's look to Paul to encourage us today. He considered suffering a means of serving Christ. That's weird, right? Let's just be honest. I'm just being real. Like, it's weird. Like, we don't think of that. Now, the type of suffering he's dealing with is a lot different than what we deal with in the American church. But he considered suffering a means of serving the Lord. If he released, he, he working. If not, he's good. In a way, he's good. So how do we fight discontentment? How do we be like Paul in some crazy moments in our life? Maybe you're in some of that today. How, how do we be like Paul? How do we have this perspective? Because it's not just thinking happy thoughts, which is good. We should be positive. But his source. Where his source of strength was, where his source of hope was, where his source of happiness was, was found in Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we fight this contentment? The first thing we've got to do is quit comparing. Quit comparing. We've got to quit comparing our life, our situation, our past, our purpose with other people, with what we have or what we don't have. We got to, the, the comparison thing is a trap for us to stay stuck. And to not focus on God, who He is, what He has for us. So if contentment for Paul was Christ as His source, then discontentment, it's looking to everything else as our source. If we're looking at, at, at all this other stuff, we're not looking to Christ. Our focus is in the wrong place. And the more we compare, the less satisfied that we are. We should be satisfied in Christ, but far too often we try to satisfy ourselves with things, with stuff. And stuff is just stuff. It's not going to last. Stuff breaks. Stuff wears out. It's going to last. Quit relying on stuff to bring you happiness. Quit relying on people to bring you happiness. Look to God to fulfill His purposes for your life. 
Unchecked envy will blind us to the good gifts God has already given us. Come on, we're, we are blessed, y'all. We are blessed. If you look around, it, but see, here's the deal. You won't recognize that you are blessed if all you're looking at is what you don't have. Or where you are not at. Unchecked envy will blind us to the good gifts God has already given us. It will undermine our ability to fulfill the role that God has for us. Why? Because comparing leaves us wanting. And the last time I checked, Psalm uh, 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in what? Why? Why? Because he supplies all my needs. He supplies all my needs. God's kindness, God will take care of you. We can find happiness, we can find contentment, we can find fulfillment in him, right? But if we compare ourselves to other people, we're always looking at what I don't have, I'm, or, or I'm not as strong as I should be. We, we, we miss out on what God has done in our life. So if we compare ourselves to others, if that's a problem, then another way to fight discontentment is to learn to celebrate others. Learn to celebrate what God has done in their life. Learn to celebrate the blessings of other people, right? Learning to celebrate other, uh, other people's blessings kills comparison. But what do we often do? We often throw shade. We often throw shade at people. Oh, they got a raise? I've been busting my butt for a long time. I, I should be getting a raise. I should be getting a promotion. Damn. Well, listen, if you were busy working instead of worrying about somebody else, maybe you would get that raise or that promotion. I can't believe they got a new car. Didn't they just get a car? That ain't your business. Be faithful with what you have. It might be older, but that thing's still running, and you probably don't have a car payment. Guess what? A new car payment, or a new car means new car payment. But we don't see that. And they're always going out to eat. All the time. What? Maybe if you budget a little better, maybe you go out eat some more too. I'm just saying. Being upset God blesses someone else might be why God isn't blessing you. I'm just going to keep on moving. Paul said, I've been in need, I've had plenty, but I've learned, underline that word, if you got your Bible out, I've learned to be content. In other words, it wasn't natural for him. It's not natural for us to be content. At a small age, as kids, right, we, we come out wanting more, we come out being selfish, right? We have to learn to be content. It's a discipline. It's developed through two things. It's developed through dependence on Christ and obedience to Christ. That's how contentment is built in our life. I love what Pastor Eric Raymond, he said, he wrote a declaration of dependence for the Gospel Coalition. And it reads this. It says, as a believer, I realize that I am depending on Christ for his perfect obedience to the Father. For I did not obey his sinful perfection, for I am sinful. Or excuse me, his sinless perfection. For I am sinful. I'm depending on Christ for his wrath-satisfying death. For I am unable to satisfy eternal wrath. I'm depending on Christ for his perfect righteousness before the judgment bar. For I have deficient righteousness. I'm depending on Christ for his ability to keep me saved. For I cannot keep myself from wandering away. I'm depending on Christ for his sovereign ability to rule this world. For I struggle with organizing my days. Amen. Depending on Christ for his unfading love, I trip on myself daily. I'm depending on Christ for his ultimate motivation for life and ministry, for I have nothing in myself that trumps this. 
I'm depending on Christ for his priceless blood that will never depreciate, or I have no means to pay. What wonderful words. Our dependence on God, learning to trust in him no matter what. Learn to lean on him and not our own understanding. When our circumstances are not trying, we can be tempted to rely on ourselves alone, but we must always depend on God. Contentment is built and learned in our life when we learn to depend on God for everything. And then it's, it's built in our life when we learn to obey his word. John 15, 10 through 11, Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You hear that? That's contentment. That, that my joy may be fulfilled in you and that your joy may be full. That, that's contentment. And it's found in obeying His word and keeping His commandments. Obedience shouldn't be something that we dread. It should be something that we find joy in. But oftentimes we're like our kids who get frustrated at every little thing we tell them to do, right? Maybe I'm, I'm just speaking from our perspective. We tell our kids, go brush your teeth. Oh my God, I don't have to brush the teeth. And it's like, dude, I, I'm not asking you something like crazy that you can't do. It's something you need to do because you got to stay rough, right? I'm looking out for you. Like we're always, we always try to tell them this is what you want to drill in your mouth. You know, like you always try to tell them. I'll show them. I got feelings from when I was a kid. Still, yeah, I'll show them. And the old school black one. I'm like, look here. You want some of that? No. <laughs> hey, I ain't gonna lie. We have a hard time sometimes getting our kids to eat because they want to go play. I get that. But I straight up pulled up a picture of a little kid from some other country. I'm not even lying. Little pop belly. I said, look at this. These kids don't have anything. You, you're, you're sitting here. You don't want to eat. You. And Anthony's like, Daddy, don't show me the picture. <laughs> you don't know how good you've got it. Obedience for us to God, it shouldn't be something that we dread. It should be something that we find joy in. Why? Because obedience to God leads to contentment. He said, if you keep my commands, you'll abide in my love. Your joy will be full. The Old Testament prophets envision a period of great end time rejoicing. And God threatened judgment if his people would not serve him. We see this in Deuteronomy. But God threatened judgment if his people would not serve him with joyfulness and gladness in the heart. And just as Jesus had great joy in obeying his father, even in the midst of opposition, so Christians have joy. In obedience, we deal with discontentment by killing comparison, by celebrating others, by depending on God for everything, by obedient, being obedient to His Word, and learning to develop a grateful heart. Learning to develop a grateful heart. Oftentimes, we have a scarcity mindset. We're, we're so focused on what I don't have. I don't have enough. Or I don't have this. Or I'm not, I'm not this far along. And, and many are living with a scarcity mindset. A scarcity mindset says, I don't have enough. But an abundance mindset says, I have more than enough. Why? Because my God has more than enough, right? So we've got to learn to live in that abundant mindset. Relying and trusting, depending on God. We often think what we don't have is actually what we need. So we struggle with this tension between what we need and what we really want. 
If you have kids, you, you're going to go to the store and it never fails. It's like, oh, Dad, Dad, look at this toy. I, I, I want that toy. And the next minute, it's, oh, look at this game. Daddy, we need this game. And then, you know, they strategically place that candy at the register. So when you check out and you know you got to wait in line and they're grabbing when you're not looking, how did that get in the public? Jawbreakers? Call it jawbreaker. That's why would you want to eat that? Anyway. What you need is a job if you want to pay for all this stuff, right? And we get mad at our kids sometimes, but we're the same way, aren't we? The same way with God. We struggle with our needs and wants. When I look at God's word, I don't know about you, but I'm reminded that God is more than enough for me. I'm reminded that he's my help. I'm reminded that he's my portion. I'm reminded that he's my strength. I'm reminded that he's my hope. Come on, anybody been healed in this place? I'm reminded that he's my healer, right? I'm reminded that he's my redeemer when I was way far gone, right? I'm reminded that he's my source for everything. If I could just stop sometimes and get outside of myself and think of God's goodness instead of what I have or, or what I don't have, if someone would just stop for a moment and think back at all the times that God has come through in your life, when we find ourselves looking at what we don't have, maybe we need to stop and look what the Lord has done. Like, don't let me start singing because I'll show not will. Come on, look what the Lord has done in your life. The next time you feel like I'm not measuring up, the next time you feel like I don't have enough, the next time you feel like I, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just not feeling, why don't you just stop and look what God has done and look at how good that He has been in your life. Yeah, you might as well stop We are blessed. I may not have as much as other people do, but I'm okay because I got Jesus. And he is all that I need. There's a story about a little boy who wanted his mother to pay him for all the services in the home. <laughs> Jesus help him. So he left her a note. He said, for washing the dishes, you owe me a dollar. Mm -mm. For cleaning my room, you owe me a dollar. For hanging up my clothes, you owe me a dollar. For mowing the lawn, you owe me a dollar. Mom, you owe me. Pay up. So he printed her bill, totaling four dollars, and he gave it to her. And the mother came, and she put the four dollars, she's a much better woman than I am. She put the four dollars on the table, and she left the note of her own. She said, for carrying me for nine months, and being sick as a dog, no charge. For staying up all night with you night after night when you were sick, no charge. For working overtime so that I can get you those special shoes that you wanted, no charge. For entertaining your friends you wanted to bring over without notice, no charge. Total, zero. After reading the note, the young man realized he had lost sight of the goodness of his mother. He had turned a love relationship into a business deal. He said to his mother, would a lot of God's children say to him, pay up. What's in it for me? To be content, we've got to develop a grateful heart. Realize that we truly, truly are blessed. You can only do that, though, when you look to Jesus as your source. Worship team, you guys can come on up. You will always battle discontentment until you let Jesus be your source. Paul found contentment in Christ because Christ became his purpose. It became Paul's life. It became the center of his life. It became everything that he was about. He left the life that he was living. 
he left being a religious leader. He, he left being this very uh, renowned person. And he, and he left that to follow after the cause of Christ. Because Jesus came in and interrupted his life. Because Jesus came in and gave him something that he didn't have before. Jesus changed everything. And for that, Paul gave him his everything. Philippians can be broken up into all these small pieces. And it's all centered around chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. This is actually a poem. If you read it that way. And Paul writes this, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To God be the glory. There's this beautiful poem that Paul writes in the middle of all this. And it becomes the center of his life. It becomes the center of his mission. It becomes the center of all, all that he is. After everything that Jesus had done. Paul chose to completely live for him. And in him, Jesus, the Son of God, this, this is the gospel right here. Jesus, the Son of God, he came to earth, he put on humanity, he suffered, and he died, and he rose again so that you and I may have life in him and in him alone. And this is where Paul found his contentment. This is where Paul, because he found his purpose in this. This became life to him. That's why he said to live as Christ, to die as gain. Either way, no matter what I go through, I know I'm good. I can be content because of who I serve. He didn't find it in possessions. It's not found in worldly things. It's not found in entertainment. It's not found in money. It's not found in the right circumstances or the right outcomes. All those things are okay. But do they bring us true joy and true fulfillment? No. No, only Jesus does. When theologian John Wesley attended Oxford University at the age of 21, he was this privileged man. He had wealth, he had intelligence, he had looks, he had, he had kind of everything. And one night he met a porter without a bed, a, a, a proper coat, with just a few pennies to his name. Finding this porter in surprisingly good spirits, Wesley sarcastically said, You thank God you have nothing to wear, nothing to eat, no bed to lie on. What else do you thank him for? And the porter smiled and humbly said, I thank him that he has given me my life and being and a heart to live for him and to serve him. And the porter moved Wesley that night, helping him aim or helping him realize the true meaning of contentment and that provision comes from God, not from our circumstances. Not from the things that we have or accumulate in this world. It comes from him alone. You remember Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve had everything. God gave them everything. Everything that they was trying to purpose, God's provision, God's presence, everything God gave them. And they had it all, right? And they traded it for the one thing they couldn't have. They weren't supposed to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had, they had everything else. And one apple changed everything. 
They had companionship with each other. God, God, God provided said, you can have everything else. God, God gave them everything that they needed. In fact, he created them in, in the, the most perfect environment to thrive in. And the devil tried to convince them that they needed what they couldn't have. So they gave in. And they ate from that apple that tree that they weren't supposed to. And obviously that caused a big problem for them. They lost everything else. Caused a big problem. I guess you could say they bit off more than they could chew. Nothing. Not a laugh. Not a giggle. I'll try. But what Adam and Eve needed, what they needed to do was they needed to be obedient to God. Because there was a reason. There was a purpose. God said, listen, there's a reason you can't eat from this, Right? interesting it was just that one thing that they felt like they couldn't obtain but they had everything else they had the entire garden right they were deceived into wanting what they didn't have and completely missed everything don't miss out on what God has already given you because you're so focused on what you think you don't have don't miss out on the blessings don't miss out on everything that God has for you and for your life but on God's faithfulness and His provision. And He is faithful. Come on, how many can testify that today? He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. He will provide. You can trust Him for everything that you need today. And guess what? Some of the things that you want to. But when we look to everything else to satisfy us, we miss it. We will always struggle with discontentment. So we learn to look to Jesus to be our source. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. If you'd like more info about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc.com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.